This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Welcome to Night Call, a production of iHeartRadio. It's 10.32 p.m. in cyberspace. And you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call, a show for your strange days and lonely nights. I am Molly Lambert, and with me are Emily Yoshida and Tess Lynch. Hello! We're going to start off with the question that's been on everyone's mind, posed by reader and friend Justine. What is Swedish death cleaning? Had you guys ever heard of Swedish death cleaning? Oh, definitely. Really? Yeah. It's like the most metal kind of cleaning. No, I I heard about it because it's like, I feel like people were talking about it like, Around the time that Marie Kondo was was blowing up too, same idea. It's kind of similar. Well, via Justine, Swedish death cleaning is basically like clean your house like you are about to die because you are. Get all your documents in one place and throw out all your trinkets and crap. I realize I've been doing this my whole life. I leave my house each morning assuming I'll never make it back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Justine. So there was um, an article in BuzzFeed about this from Mm -hmm. a while ago. There's a book written by a Swedish woman who says that she is between 80 and 100 years old, but does not get more specific than that. Um, Margareta Magnusson. There you go. I had not written that down. Um, (laughs) So I guess the word for death cleaning in Swedish is 
Dostadning. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and But I thought the most interesting, I mean, first of all, this is a great idea, and I am going to go home and do it, although I hope I don't die. Um, but one of the things I thought was really great about it was that she suggests in the book that you make a throwaway box, which is stuff that is sentimental to you, but would not have any meaning for other people. Oh, that's so smart. That's Isn't like that all my smart? stuff. That's all my stuff. Yeah. I have a mailbox of just like printed out old emails from like yeah. 1995 yeah. or something. But I was like, this is a brilliant idea because you're basically giving your surviving family members or whomever permission to look at it and then Marie Kondo yeah, it. Do be whatever. like, bye, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to keep this. So um, I have a friend who recently found her deceased family member's diaries. And she was like, it's so hard because if he didn't want anyone to read his diaries, he would have destroyed them, right? But then I'm holding the diary and I'm like, do I open the diary and read the diary? I'd be so mad if someone read my diary. So I guess the idea with Swedish death cleaning is to think, ask yourself those questions of like, do I want someone to read my diary? And if you do, you mm -hmm. put it in the throwaway yeah. box. Yeah. And if you don't, you destroy it. That's super smart. Yeah. Tess, what are you going to do with your diaries? Schmolly. She's Louise. <laughs> Tell us exactly where they are. Uh, <laughs> I, the, I have been thinking about it since I read this thing from my friend. I don't know. I definitely wouldn't want anyone to read them, but I also feel like I don't want to throw them away until I'm like very close to death, but I won't know probably like when I'm going to die. So I feel like this is why I historically have been it's been really hard to motivate to keep a diary for this exact reason. Yeah. Because I'm like, what do I do with it? <laughs> it's really, I mean, I kept a diary from when I was seven until right around the time I got married. And so I have like all the volumes wow. of my, and they're all organized by year. That's and there were like a cool gaps. thing to have though. I'm is jealous. Though? I know. It but is, like, so. I wouldn't know what to do with it. But at the same time, yeah. it's like cool for yourself to be able is, to go back. Is there a signal you can give that's like, burn the diaries now? I I think I have to put them in a safe where I can like press a button and it just explodes inside <laughs> or something. Put them, I mean, a, put them in a bear suit. Put them in a bear suit. Midsummer them. Um, the one good thing about having a diary though is then if you have kids, Going back and reading my di the first volume of my diary from when I was my son's age is so interesting because it's all just like these angry missives about how pissed I am at my parents. And I was like, whoa, like I just happened? hated them like at times. I mean, the times when I wrote in my diary, I was always hating someone. Also, but I, yeah. Another thing about being an only child, you don't have a sibling who you can just exactly. levy all yeah. your complaints about yeah. mom and dad to. That's the so thing. So you got to have a sibling so you can be like, man. Mom and dad were being so annoying today. And yep. they're like, I was also there. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Let's unionize. Actually, I've never kept a diary, but my brother has like amazing recall of everything that ever happened to us as children. He'll like tell me if I was at a story he's telling. I'll be wow. like, I don't think I was there. He'll be like, yes, you were. You did this and this and you ate this. Whoa. <laughs> it's also my worst nightmare. I mean, this sounds great, but also I would hate that. I want to be able to like bleach my brain of certain things. I, yeah, the whole, the Swedish death cleaning thing, I mean, some of it, I think that some of it is sort of generational where it feels, I mean, not just like, oh, I'm thinking about death, like in that way, but that like the amount of stuff you've amassed and the quality of that stuff, like, like most of the stuff that would end up in my box is just stuff that 
represents the majority of my possessions because I am not yet of the age where I own very much furniture or anything at all. Like it's all just like junk, like ticket stubs yep. and bracelets from things. And, and yet like there's somehow still so much of it. Yeah, yeah. It somehow becomes just as burdensome as like a credenza. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Whenever I move, I'm like, at least I don't have a lot of stuff. And then I'm like, I have so much, yeah. stuff. So much stuff. It's dumb little stuff that packs very easily and yet is impossible to go through or anytime, anytime you have to move. It's yeah. I think we're all trying not to buy clothes right now. Yeah, yes. that's my... I don't want to accumulate clothes either. I find that like um, my mom was in town and she ended up giving me some clothes and they were, I ended up liking them a lot when I put them on, but I was kind of looking at them being like, if I had... 50% less clothes, then laundry would be so much more simple. <laughs> I would be able to like fold everything the right way. But I have such a hard time getting rid of especially clothes that then when new stuff comes in, I'm just like, oh, I think God. there's also this minimalist fantasy that people have of like, if I only had five things and that's all I needed, but it's actually very hard to live that way. I have that with almost everything except for clothes. I'm sort of a maximalist when it comes to clothes, and I'm very much a like, oh, I can't let go of this. I'll put it in a box, and then in 20 years, I'll love it. Mm-hmm. Like, I have that with, with clothes more than I have with other things. I'm pretty unsentimental about almost everything else, but yeah, I should do some Swedish death cleaning, though. We I should all do it. Yeah. yeah. Is it's it real? Good... Our listener, Oscar, who's our Sweden expert, should tell us if Swedish death cleaning is like a thing Swedish people actually do, or yeah. if this is like marketing for... Yeah, dumb Americans. To further, it's like it's like Swedish people and Japanese people um, both get like the oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be so clean in Japanese? (laughs) That's why I like. There's a book about um, tiny apartments, and it's like one of the classic like coffee books or or um, like I don't know little art books, and it's just like these are not the pristine Japanese apartments that I feel like are, are no, they're stereotypical. Like, they're at like all. New York apartments. It's the yeah, idea it's just, of like you keep all your stuff in a tiny space because you have you can just walk outside into a city. Yeah, but you still again like however much room there is, it feels like you take up. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then you have a Murphy bed probably, which then you have to like make every day and then like fasten <laughs> to the up. wall. I mean, I would just never do it. Like, <laughs> let's be real, I would never do it. Would you guys ever live in a tiny house? I think we've discussed this before. Yeah. No, I, I, no, no, God. <laughs> I'd, have I mean, to, I'd have to have a huge, like, I don't know, psychic break or something in order to live in a tiny house. I don't know how people with kids live in a tiny house. And I've, I've read all of these profiles of people who do, and it just sounds so difficult. Even people who are doing it really successfully have to, at some point, acknowledge the strain it places on your marriage and your kid's lot. I mean, it's just, you, you're acknowledging, like, this isn't great most yeah. of the time. Well, we're going to take an ad break real quick, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a very haunted doll. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back. We have a quick uh, item that we felt was very night call. This comes from a local Houston news site, and they posted a saga last week about a talking Elsa doll from the movie Frozen that is one of the most compelling cases for a doll haunting that I've ever read. Um, This doll, originally when it was bought by the family, I think six years ago, spoke uh, some phrases from Frozen in English only, and it sang Let It Go when a button on its necklace was pushed. And that is fine. Then after two years, it became bilingual and it started being able to speak Spanish and English and sing in both languages. And that that was all that in a way that's an improvement. So that's great. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But okay. by the way, this whole time, the batteries in this doll were never changed. And I can speak from experience that children's toys without a battery change start exhibiting very strange behavior. But this (laughs) doesn't explain the next thing. So no change in batteries. The doll then started speaking or singing even when she was turned off. So the family went insane. They were like, we need this thing out of there. They threw it away. 
later, I think a couple of weeks later, it appeared in a bench in their living room. (laughs) And they were so freaked out, they double bagged it and put it at the bottom of the trash can because they were like, the only explanation is that their kids had gone to the trash and taken Elsa out and put her in the bench. So they put her at the bottom of the trash can and then like put a bunch of trash on top of her. At that point, she appeared outside (gasps) their house and their daughter was like, I found Elsa. She came back. (laughs) So they they like lost their mind. And they'd been posting about this on social media. And eventually they had to send the doll to a family friend in Minnesota who had agreed to take her in. And he was like, if she starts acting scary and demonic, I'm going to I'm going to weld her to a metal pipe and bury her in the woods. And? Now, that's where we are at she's, present day. She's duct taped to their car. Yep. This is <laughs> great because I feel like we're really getting back to our haunted doll roots yep, here. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, this is some original night called doll magic. <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, it, it, it spe- the speaking in Spanish just feels like they have like one chip that they make for the doll and it has the Spanish language version on it too. And it's just a matter of like. But it was two years do later. You that's what's so weird. Was, two years. There was like an ad busters thing where people would swap the chips from G. I Joe's and talking Barbie because Barbie said things like I hate math. Yeah. And so there were people who were like swap them so that G.I. Joe would say that and Barbie would be like, let's go, Joe. Let's go to war. Um, <laughs> this doll feels like it became sentient. Yeah. I mean, and the moving of the doll. Yeah. Like, so when you look at the doll, too, it's not a particularly animated doll like it's not a it's not a high-tech doll it's got a big head it's got it's one of the huge it like has a kind of brats vibe Mm -hmm. to it so it it's not a walking doll i mean we've all seen the dolls where it's it's conceivable they might walk i guess (laughs) uh this doll was definitely like flew through the air powered by spirits there's no question she did not move by any physical means that (laughs) we can understand wait hang on <laughs> oh, that's her speaking in Spanish. Yeah. Tess, do your kids have any talking dolls that scare you? Yes. Okay, well, so yes, we have Luva Bella, who is a very, I wouldn't say very realistic, but definitely like approaching Uncanny Valley. Um, she is a newborn baby that kind of like, she's always kind of sleepy, but she does cry and giggle. And my daughter really enjoys her. But then also my daughter wanted a baby alive. Oh, I'm so scared of baby alive. Well, this baby alive is the world's most basic and archaic baby no, alive. No, that's the scary one where it slurps the cherries up. The, it, oh. it, this is the one that's even more basic than that, where it's a doll, a hollow doll <laughs> with a tube that goes from mouth to butt. And it doesn't, it's not animated at all. Yeah, it has no batteries like a, or anything. That's like the original like, it's the gimmick original. Of, a, of a baby a baby doll. But is that I, it can pee? <laughs> I had the baby alive that chewed. That yeah. slurps the cherries. And, and it seemed to take a long time for her to digest, which is very exciting. Like a lot of suspense. <laughs> this one, it's just like my daughter had, you know, she comes with like a little toilet. And she would just sit her on the toilet and force feed her all this pear. And it would just come right out. I was like, this is wild. (laughs) She'd be like, look, she's peeing again. She's peeing again. She's thirsty again. I was like, this has to stop. Oh, my God. Um, But we had some battery-operated things. uh, And in particular, like, this puzzle that had light sensors and little animals on it, where when you removed the animal, it made the animal noise. But for some reason, the pieces weren't flush like I guess it had been used too much so they were kind of loose so we stored it in the basement and for a long time like I couldn't figure out 
what was happening because every so often the light would shift in there, I guess, and you'd hear like, bah. I was like, what is down there? And it was the cursed puzzle. Um, But they get glitchy when their batteries go, the the battery-operated ones. So we also had a horrible walker type of thing where it would be like, ring-a-ling, the animals sang. And she would just go any time of day, turned off for sure. Wow. Let's talk about something else really scary. Well, I was going to say, speaking of things becoming more and more sentient, yeah, uh, by degrees, we watched The Lawnmower Man for our unnerving CGI January series following Cats and the Abyss. I unfortunately was not able to watch it, so I'm just going to ask you guys questions about Lawnmower Man. This is oh, great, yeah. I've been wanting to see this movie forever. It's a it great just, movie to ask questions about. <laughs> So I well the one thing I know about Lawnmower Man it is a, is it is one of the like um, one of the great examples of eighties and nineties adaptations of things that have nothing to do with the source material. Yes. Have you guys read the story? I haven't read it, but we both read the synopsis. Have you read it, Molly? I know what the story is about, which okay. is incredible. <laughs> well, let's just say <laughs> so. Lawnmower Man came out in nineteen ninety two. This was originally, they were going to market it as Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, but King was like, I will sue you into oblivion. Um, The plot of Stephen King's 1975 short story, The Lawnmower Man, is about this guy who runs like a gardening center, and he, or I guess like he hires a serviceman who. Reading the synopsis, it's just like, okay, he arrives with a lawnmower that mows the lawn by itself, and then the gardener guy crawls around naked behind the mower eating grass oh i thought it was that he ate the grass and that's how he mowed it. like he was the lawnmower i think it's kind of both <laughs> it's both somehow i think he's eating the mown grass i have to read this oh he's story. eating like the the stuff that's left behind that's like like they don't bag it so maybe it's going really <laughs> fast because machine and human are working as one um the serviceman himself is actually a satyr is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. A satyr. Oh, like a satyr? Satyr. Is it satyr or satyr? He's mean the like god a... Pan. He, oh, okay, god. yeah. I think it's a satyr. Pan, Pan, the goat god Pan. Yeah. One half goat and the other half man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when Parkett, so when like the Parkett's the guy who owns the landscaping service, when Parkett tries to call the police, the mower and its owner ritually kill him as a sacrifice to Pan. Then you have the Lawnmower Man, the 1992 movie, so which has none of this. The studio right. that made the Lawnmower Man, the movie, owned the rights to the title, the Lawnmower Man, and rather than adapt the story, I assume they also owned the rights to the story. But it's not maybe enough to fill out a whole movie. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's just a what if a lawnmower was a man? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not an exactly a three act. I mean, that's a little bit what the lawnmower man is also about. Uh, the lawnmower man way. is based on a script originally called Cyber God, and it uses a lot of Stephen King tropes. But basically, it's about a scientist played by Pierce Brosnan. Who, wearing hoop earrings. Wearing hoop earrings. Cool. Looking, earrings? Looking fine. Ear, one earring. One oh, okay. earring. Yeah. Okay. So it's 92. Yeah. He yeah. Um, is doing experiments, cutting edge experiments that are about cyberspace and about like hooking a human brain up to, well, first a monkey brain. He's Dr. Lawrence Angelo. I have to say this is, this is an amazing performance by Pierce Brosnan in that I cannot decide if it's good 
or bad, mm-hmm. or if he's laughing at himself or taking himself completely seriously. It's good because everyone's taking it seriously. Like it is a little campy because it's like a, it's fake, a lot campy. It's a fake Stephen King, but it's also like legitimately kind of scary in parts. No, you didn't think so. I mean, it's disturbing. It's, it, it's a very problematic it's, and dated it's movie. It's unnerving. It's unnerving. So, have you guys ever read Flowers for Algernon? Yes. yes. Okay, it's Flowers for Algernon, but with the internet. Okay. So it's like a guy who is developmentally disabled, who people hire to mow lawns. Who uh, who is kept by an evil priest in a little shed. Sure. Who, and the priest, trigger warning, the priest has molested this man from the time that he received him when he was five years old, which okay. we only learn later in the movie. So that's a trigger warning and a spoiler alert all rolled into one. Um, but yeah, a lot of the people in the community are very nice to this man, um, played by Jeff Fay and his character's name is Job Smith, which is, seems unsubtle to say the least. <laughs> Subtlety is not this movie's No, <laughs> It has some carry vibes at times um, in terms of the evil priest kind of trying to keep Job in a childlike and submissive state. It's a lot of like Stephen King greatest hits tropes um, mm-hmm. blended together. What did the priest have to do with anything? It's I mean, just that he's like, just... he's this, ki- he's like a guy in a terrible situation who nobody cares about, even right. the person who's supposed to care about him, okay. which is why he's the perfect human subject okay. for Pierce Brosnan, who's been looking for a human to jack into the proto matrix uh-huh. and the way that they originally cross paths is that the monkey cyborg is that his name again cryoborg <laughs> something like that he has somehow gone into escaped and he's entered into job's shack so pierce brosnan and the other scientists show up to get the monkey back and then they end up like shooting the monkey yes because the monkey becomes super violent That's it's what wearing happens. a helmet also the monkey okay. becomes smarter and smarter and becomes like more sp- smarter than any human and then becomes like unstoppably violent like tearing people's mm-hmm. heads off in well a because rage. what we discover later is that Pierce Brosnan's kind of under the impression that they are trying to find ways to like cure Alzheimer's patients or help intellectually disabled people become like you know really really super smart and then the people above Pierce Brosnan who are funding his research who's the breaking bad guy is one of them yeah play the brother they're like, oh. no, the best use of this technology is to get people to become killing machines yes. so we can send them to war. And also, that's what happened to the monkey. Very Stephen King. We're making super soldiers. That's but what we really... Stephen King would have done it so much better, needless so, to say. So what's being jacked into what at this point? The the monkey is being jacked into the human brain? Or? No, no. There's never a monkey-human crossover. It's okay. The monkey was the first test subject. Okay. When they kill the monkey... Pierce Brosnan's like, ah, I worked so hard on that monkey. And then he's kind of like, huh, what's your deal, Job? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you're in a bad situation. It's, it's a eh? creature hooked up to a computer. Oh, it's just like the, he's, he's jacked into the web. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But when they're jacked into the web, you see representations of what that looks and feels yes. like. And they're in those things, those like spinning around uh, things that are in a lot of sci-fi like movies. Like that. Yeah, gyroscope. gyroscope. Yeah. Have you ever been in one of those? No, oh, I have. I have. In Seattle. Did you go yes. to one in Seattle? Yes. yes. <laughs> it was like a lifelong goal of mine to go into that like my entire childhood. And then when I finally did, I was like, what else can I do in life? Right. This is the best thing. <laughs> I was very nauseous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super <laughs> nauseous. <laughs> so dizzy. Yeah. 
Um, Yeah. Not only does this make you dizzy, it also plunges you into a late 80s, early 90s CGI landscape. It looks like Miami Vice, kind of. I mean, it just has the, the, like, pastel-y kind of neon over the grid that's dark, and you're like flying through. Yeah, it's great because it is sort of like those early computer animation things where it's just truly trying to be as psychedelic as humanly possible. Right. Not trying to portray anything realistically, just like... Yeah, what if you could put a computer on drugs? What would it see? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like really taking advantage of this new texture that it was like the way that computer animation looks and just making that its own thing as opposed to trying to make it uh, imitate reality. Yeah. yeah. Which is now all the game is, is like just make everything as realistic as possible through CGI instead of like, look at this new aesthetic we have. Isn't that weird? Oh, I've seen. I've seen. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's really weird. It's very like Alex Gray, like a x-ray of a person the kind of art that people are like this is what it feels like to be on dmt um, right speaking of that <laughs> the, Lamar man's about. the most intense scene in this movie i think and i'm wondering if you agree is the virtual reality sex scene oh yeah the virtual reality sex scene is um so fast forward to job getting super smart by watching videos at hyper speed so he's all caught up on smarts He's also taking like potions to give him telekinetic powers. He's taking powers. nootropics. They call it nootropics. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Um, but like, also, we don't bad. know what these nootropics do. They might make you smarter than anyone's ever been. Well, he he starts getting headaches because he can read people's minds, and he's tele he has telekinesis. So that's when the lawnmower starts lo- mowing the lawn by itself. But he's also right. just like he's brooding now. He's a cyber god. He surpasses humans. Yeah, but then so he gets also hot. It, he during also this process. gets hot, weirdly hot. He gets super hot. <laughs> but he still kind of looks like... Uh, Confused. Like Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, but like, you know, I, I wouldn't he say He looks that. like he's supposed to be Amish. I don't know. He, whatever. I, he's hot. Let's let's be real. All right, he all gets right, hot. Right, the lawnmower man gets hot. I'm yeah. going to pause for a second because I, I was like, wow, nootropic. Like, I don't feel like that was a word that was like, that feels like a very early use of that word. And I'm wondering now because I'm looking at the like history of nootropics. Oh, it was coined in 1972. Okay. But, like, it didn't start being, like, until the 2000s did it really start being used in products and stuff. I think it was more theoretical at that point. Probably at that point they were like, there's this scary, horrible thing. Don't do it. We're not going to use the word. tropics. Don't do it. Yeah. And then 40 Uh, (laughs) years later it was like, let's market this to people. Well, this movie's about, like, here's why it would be bad to be a cyber god. And then people were like, okay, but I still want that. But wait, the scariest scene is when he has this, he has sex, virtual reality sex with this woman because he's now hot. And he becomes. It's amazing. He's like, I've seen your fantasy. And she's like, oh, how? And he's like, I read your mind. And then he turns into this super grotesque, like, beast-looking, like, half-machine, half-beast with, like, a weird tunnel mouth. And he basically eats her yeah. in the virtual reality. this? I'm looking at, like, Dr. Manhattan, like, so making out with that's them having sex. A- Okay. But it's, then it, it evolves. <laughs> They're all covered in like web mucusy type. It's so crazy. If you've seen the uh, Aerosmith video for Amazing. Yeah. It's exactly that. It's like two Dr. Manhattans flying towards each other in space. And then they combine into that they weird merge. goo that we saw and in the And they fly abyss. with tentacles. And then they once they combine, it's like, again, they surpass like human sex and turn into a dragonfly. Yeah. And then she starts getting freaked out and she's like, 
I don't know what the fuck is happening. Like, let me out of this thing. And he's like, no. He No. He, well, he was like, he was he like, can't. I know what you want. And he turns himself into this horrible thing. And she's like, no, no, no. And then he can't stop it. Whether he can. It's really scary. It's super scary. And then he like, when he eats her, she it, it breaks her brain. Yeah. She, she, uh can't function afterwards it she's just her. she just la- she lies on a bed laughing all the time yeah so she so they were both in like a virtual space together she they were both jacked into the same virtual space yeah, yeah but it was like her her puny human brain couldn't, couldn't handle, handle it yeah. and it broke her Ugh. and that's then, really scary and then he starts becoming violent and yeah. going out and seeking revenge on all the people who were assholes to him mm-hmm. when incels okay no. In- <laughs> no 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 i had the same thought because i was like oh it's in real life, he has this persona. Then in the virtual, because he has, it's true that in the original, like in the in the beginning of his virtual journey, he's like, I have all this power. I'm super powerful. But in real life, he's still pretty tame. And then gradually the two kind of converge and he's taking revenge on all of these people as this like hyper powerful thing that was basically fabricated from his experiences online. Um. I want to see it. <laughs> you must. <laughs> a movie you really can't forget. I just remember yeah. being scared of the poster for this movie. And I didn't see it till now because that poster made such an impression on me. This is pretty early internet, at least for like the layperson. Like I feel like, you know, email had maybe just started to become a thing. Does it feel like hand wringing and cautionary about the internet in the way that like say the net does, or does it not even there yet? Is it not no, even thinking about these it things? It feels hand wringy about uh being able to shoot things out of your brain. It's like Carrie. It is just like Carrie. It's like Carrie. Because it's I think it's the idea of and and like with Flowers for Algernon, that you can have this man-made improvement to your life and it's scientific, but there's going to be a downside. Yeah. What will the downside be? And, and not knowing that, are you willing to take the risk? And in this case, he couldn't really make the decision on his own. It was made for him. You end up feeling like the doctor is also sort of a sympathetic character because... He didn't know that this was it was yeah. he was going to be given the things that make him violent. Like it starts out, you're just like, he's evil because he's like using these people to, because he has to see what happens with the experiments. And then by the end, they're like, you know, he's a pawn for mm-hmm. the military industrial complex right. who are yeah. using his curiosity. He feels really bad about yeah. what he's done mm-hmm. to... It's like what Emma was saying, like everybody just started using the internet out of curiosity and and, uh, genuinely good-natured human instinct. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, this does, that does, it captures that feeling. Tess made a really good meme where it was like me on Twitter, or or it's just like, I have to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And it does capture that kind of like sticky feeling of like time makes no sense in this space. Well, I actually thought that the thing that was most analogous to the Internet was when he was learning, like when he had been given he had been trained with a virtual reality game that was basically like a like fighter jet kind of game. Mm -hmm. And he he did it with this neighborhood kid and nothing nefarious there, even though the way I said it makes it sound that way. But um, they were both like kind of lying on these platforms and like battling each other. And then eventually Job got better than the kid, which was meant to show us that he was like ready to move on Mm -hmm. to the next stage. So the next stage was him watching things at a super fast speed and he was able to retain all of it. And then eventually it got to the point where he's in the car driving around with the kid and they're listening to music and he'll pop a CD in 
and it'll play for like 10 seconds then he pops it out and the kid's like don't you want to just listen to the whole track and he was like no i don't and i was like oh it's about how when you're getting so much information mm -hmm. almost like you're mm -hmm. training yourself like be smarter no more yeah and then everything loses its meaning and everything loses the ability to like derive pleasure from yeah it. yeah everything just tastes you like just, information right yeah you just ruin your intent your attention span forever yes yeah. you do have to be mindful about how much you use the internet because it's easy to use it all of the time mindlessly mm -hmm. and to be like but there are downsides to that especially for your mental health yeah i feel like i just give the clerk speech about cigarettes all the time but about like twitter just like you're paying i mean you're not paying but you are paying you are in paying. a way yeah. you're paying <laughs> <laughs> you're doing something that's harming your mental health because it's so addictive yeah and just a decade into it to acknowledge that it's addictive and bad and has a downside that it's not just fun and like talking to friends in another plane it and also it's also not like a necessary utility the way that i think a lot of people take it for granted that it must be right like, i can't do without this because it's just like a part of my life i can't not have a prime account because i have to buy toilet paper it's and like in flowers yeah. for algernon it's really sad um i yeah. also yeah. just read a lot about flowers for algernon which i didn't realize had been published originally as like sci-fi mm -hmm. yeah, yeah even yeah. though it is sci-fi it is sci-fi yeah, and this, Charlie, did you ever see Charlie? Yeah, just this yeah. idea that like when you, you know, when you mess with nature in a way that it doesn't ask for, you're going to get the horns. Yep. But nature all, finds a way. But also the end of Charlie and Flowers for Algernon where you go back to normal feels like actually like wish fulfillment compared to now. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> well, this felt, well, but in, in Flowers for Algernon too, it's like the mouse dies. So you don't know yeah. if he's going right. to die too. It's, yeah. It's like you fly too high. But really, Jesus this is a warning himself. against the dangers of telekinesis. It is. <laughs> telekinesis is no good. Also, but we promise when yeah. we get telekinetic powers, we're all going to use them responsibly. Oh, for sure. Telekinetic move Tele things. Tele <laughs> There's no verb for it, really. Telekinetic call. <laughs> yeah, telekinetic call. Um, we did, by the way, get a tip about the lawnmower man. Uh, I forget who sent this in. Let me look. Um, this is Walrus Master on Twitter. Please tell me there was a discussion about how The Lawnmower Man was considered almost a religious text by David Koresh, which it was. The Washington uh -huh. Post archives has something from 1995, and I quote, David Koresh liked The Lawnmower Man so much that he showed the 1992 film to his Branch Davidian followers as an analogy to his own spiritual ascendancy. That makes a lot of sense. Interesting. It, you can see how this movie would make a strong positive impact on someone who was very disturbed. I mean, that's part of the scare. I, I now admit, after talking about the scary virtual reality sex scene, that there are very terrifying moments in yeah. this. Yeah, and I think what we were saying about using CGI for sort of an artistic purpose in the the context of an otherwise live action movie is really effective, and yeah. people should do it more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Using it as a tool instead of just sort of like to create sound stages. More ugly CGI. More ugly. I mean, yeah. it's not even ugly. That was the thing. I was like, I think I used to think this kind of stuff was ugly because it scared me. But now I was like, it's actually really cool. Well, it's like more, I guess, unoptimized CGI. Like all CGI is used as like a technology. Yeah, it's just a technology in instead of a medium. Mm -hmm. Like that's solely how it's being used now, I feel like. Except and in cats. <laughs> Emily's going to see cats. Oh, yeah. Next I'll time report we back. do this podcast, Emily will have a take on cats. <laughs> Everybody else in the universe who's going to see cats will have seen cats at that point. So full exactly. spoilers.
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Night Call, podcast for you strange days and lonely nights. We have a very special guest today, Emma Cunningham. Welcome, Emma. Hello. Emma is a human who does stuff with magic and computers and fermentation, and she's also an expert in cybersecurity. If you've been at any of our live shows here in Los Angeles, you might have uh, been treated to some of her magical talents. (laughs) Yeah, Emma, Emma is a great magician and also has a lot of really interesting thoughts about uh, tinfoil hats and why we should all be wearing them. That's that's it. That's the thought. We should all be living in one big tinfoil hat. Please tell me more. 
You mean like like you know there are like those places where you can go to be uh, what's it called? It's like it's like the detox for technology. Oh yeah, it was in the Werner Herzog or whatever, right? It's like safe. It's like (laughs) the 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 Todd Haynes movie. Um, Yeah, yeah, but they do that at concerts too, and like live shows sometimes where it's like you have to like put your phone in a bag so it won't transmit signal because it's like you have to be present. That's um, well, I, yeah. Concerts though, that's I've that's heard very... it done for some concerts. I I can't remember which ones, but yeah, I've heard that it's, it's more fancy. like fancy things. Yeah, high end. I've heard of this also, like high end sex parties. <laughs> yeah, put your put your phone in the, the <laughs> tin foil bag. Yeah. So <laughs> you were just telling us that putting your phone in a tin foil bag would perhaps actually stop the signals. Is that perhaps true or no? Perhaps. I'm more familiar with, they're called Faraday cages or Faraday bags. I'm actually not sure about the tinfoil thing. That's news to me. And if that works, we should all do it. <laughs> I, mean, I was telling yeah. Emma that I put my key fob for my car in this little bag, but I heard that you can put it in your freezer or in a metal box or even just surround it with tinfoil. And it basically renders your key like only, it only works inside the enclosure. So if for a while people were able to hack key fobs, so they could they had like a universal key fob and they could unlock your car, yeah. and someone unlocked my car, and I was like, this sucks. What am I gonna do? And my dad was like, well, there's like a fifty cent bag that you can buy, and then I got it, and I don't use it, Wait, but so I could. Th- th- so they would hack it. By, they would have to be in proximity to your key fob, and then they could cop. Is that how it yes. would happen? Yeah. They Whoa. basically steal the signal. I have no idea technologically how it works, yeah. but it, it is a way of you go like, yeah, if you're in close proximity, you use this thing and it can hack your key fob. And somebody can just like be passing by you on the street and get your car and key. And steal it. Virtually steal your car keys. So, so as, the techn- net. as technology <laughs> becomes the net, um, becomes a scary net that takes over everyone's lives, it feels like there have to be some ways to fight back, such as Faraday bags. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about the creepy mind-reading tool scan used by police across the country. Okay. I'm obsessed with this. Um, it, it was a very, very dense report. So the summary is basically, so last month in December, ProPublica published a report titled, Why Are Cops Around the World Using This Outlandish Mind-Reading Tool? And I was like, I will read this. It will take a long time, but I will do it. It's extremely scary. There's a tool called SCAN, which stands for Scientific Content Analysis, that claims without proof to be able to detect lies in written accounts from criminal suspects. So basically, it was invented by this guy, Sapir. He's the creator of SCAN, and he says, I am pleased to say SCAN has helped solve thousands of cases over the years. It has no scientific basis. You take a suspect, you sit them down, you give them a you know piece of paper or a pen, and you just say, write a first-person account of the night in question. So they'll start writing, and then there are these color-coded ways that you kind of categorize the information that they use. So for instance, it can be if you use the word, um, if you say, I was with my children and I went out and, and I left the kids, they're like, hold on, you said children, then you said kids. Lying. Oh my You're God. lying. Yeah. So um, it's a really cheap, obviously, way of analyzing, quote unquote, what someone is saying and trying to kind of get into their brain. It completely doesn't work, and it's used by the FBI, CIA, and I think the U.S. Armed Forces. 
It's just kind of like a really cheap, like minority report wannabe yes. type uh, predictive law enforcement technology. Yeah, Emma, <laughs> exactly. What, what have you seen about sort of people selling tech that claims to do things it can't do? Well, but by I the way, this is claims without proof. Yeah, I love claims without proof. This is great. I'm, <laughs> I'm just gonna like burst into rooms and be like, "Well, I claim without proof." Yes. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's interesting. It's like a lot of the language analysis stuff is based very much on like claims without proof. But right. even even things like DNA testing, right? That like we put so much stock in. There's still it's not this like you know thing where you're like, oh yeah, if we got a match, then we know with 100 percent certainty. There are actually all these cases where actually DNA testing is in fact you know led to the wrong person uh, being apprehended and things like that. Um, yeah, it's interesting that this is like this lo-fi, right. not even quite techie way of sort of promoting a solution that's not really verified based on anything. Yep. It also says indications of truthfulness include use of the past tense first person singular, quote, I went to the store, pronouns such as my, which signal commitment, and direct denials, the best being, I did not do it. Signs of deception include lack of memory, spontaneous corrections, and swapping one word for another, like the kids and children. Um, Sapir has used this tool to analyze testimonies from Comey and Mueller. Comey's testimony includes a lot of him describing opening and closing doors, like I came home, <laughs> I opened the door, I opened my garage door. And Sapir says, oh, he was the victim of childhood trauma. So they contacted Comey for this article, and he was like, wow, that is such a load of bullshit. I wish that you could get huh. your money back from ordering this book about this. Yeah, I mean, this one is scary because it's so dumb. But it's the, so dumb. The ones that are really scary are the facial database recognition yeah. ones. And you tweet a lot about what is so bad about those, uh, specifically oh, yeah. that they're very racist. Yeah, they're incredibly mm -hmm. racist. Shocking. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the application of these algorithms is racist. And then also the actual algorithms themselves are racist. And yeah. so... On, fa on faces for people of color, they're wildly inaccurate. But again, similar to the scan stuff, it's like, oh, but we used science and science said that this was the person. So yeah. we're going to go after this person. Yeah. And it's crazy we've seen so much junk science from like the turn of the last century return. The fact yeah. that f people are talking about phrenology like it is uh, yeah. a real discipline and not junk science. It seems like with some of the tech stuff, too, it's like if people don't know what is possible, like Theranos, they're just like, yeah. well, that sounds like you should be able to do it. So sure, I bet that program does what you're telling me it does. Right. Well, the stuff with the scan, the, the whole scan thing, it feels like, yeah, it's possible to just analyze a statement or analyze some text that a person says. And like, you know, you can make a lot of observations about that. And that can be really interesting, like just how people tend to construct thoughts. Like, but then to attempt to draw any conclusions mm -hmm. about that, aside from just what's on the page, feels like, yeah, it's like something like we, we were able to, like at least from a programming standpoint or something, uh, be able to analyze this information in a way that's sort of interesting, but then like to take it to the like magic realm after that, and there are hidden truths that you can unlock through this, right. feels like something that is easily, like, I don't know, like people who are stupid and or cops are probably easily taken in by this okay. kind of shit. That's interesting <laughs> because the last thing I pulled from the ProPublica thing is um, they got a quote from this guy named Stephen Drizzen, who's a Northwestern University law professor who specializes in wrongful convictions, and he's just said 
said, big claims made without scientific grounding are suffering from overclaim syndrome, which is, you know, when they asked him why police would trust these kind of things, he said a lot has to do with hubris, a belief on the part of police officers that they can tell when someone is lying to them oh with a high God, degree yeah. of accuracy. These tools play into that belief and confirm that belief. I wonder how many cops would I, I self-identify as, like, kind of a mentalist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There was a group in L.A. called Stop LAPD Spying that specifically works to kind of combat these programs in L.A. and got some of them to not be implemented or to be stop being implemented because they were like identifying literally children yeah. as like potential yeah. gang members and stuff like that. So it's all pretty goddamn creepy. Wait, but I have more questions for Emma yeah. regarding what is the scariest tech yeah. to you? Yeah. To oh. you right now. The scariest tech. Oh, I think the deep fake stuff is pretty fucking terrifying. Um, The it's so I saw a demo video of it recently of someone who was like, I posted one picture of myself that wasn't even great. The lighting wasn't great. Um, And then I was able to generate a deep fake of like me as Leo's character in Titanic. And it does not look computer gen. Like if I hadn't seen the movie Titanic, I would have been like, wow, you were on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) You survived. Um, And I think like that stuff is also just so terrifying. Not not only because, you know, you could use it to make it look like someone did things, but it also just like along with fake news is degrading our like trust in reality. Do you think that there's something about the increasing like at least the films that the majority of people see, like Marvel movies and things where it's mostly all CGI and composites and stuff like that and everything's stitched together. Do you think that that's like inert our eyes to just like oh, yeah. ignore this sort of thing? Totally. Like it all looks real. It tracks as no, real to us because it doesn't it's... track as real in a Marvel movie. In a Marvel movie, you're like, that's CGI. In a deep fake, you're like, that's a real photograph. And no, that's what's fucking scary. But about I, it. I hear what Emily is saying is that it's not, it's not supposed to be completely realistic, but it kind of opens the door yeah. to accepting things that are not yeah. perfectly scream is at your eyeballs is like that's fake like because you just see it like even if your brain is like this is a movie you're still like used to it in a way and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't set off alarm bells in your brain right i guess most movies just don't use cgi to try and like replicate something really boring right but they should (laughs) well i mean (laughs) or mundane like zodiac does a really good job of like using cgi in a way where you never notice there's cgi well there's always you gotta see the irishman most (laughs) mundane mundane cgi maybe of the year is the irishman like a movie long deep fake basically i mean now that they can do all of this um not only like the aging technology that they use there but then actually like you know, they've scanned, full body scanned so many people now, like anybody who's gone through the Marvel or Disney World has been full body scanned and basically given their likeness over to me. Oh yeah, that's scary. Eek, eek. (laughs) Emma, what can we do to combat the creep of tech and surveillance? Uh, Well, I think one thing is that we can just, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of work to do it in some ways, but just think about what we're opting into, right? And because yeah. I think the other thing that I think is scary along with deep fakes is what helped enable deep fakes to begin with, which is like all of that data that it took to be able to be able to create the models that allow, allows you to generate a video, right? And that comes from, you know, uh, every time we send a selfie and post it on Instagram or um, Ring, I think is also really problematic. I think the thing that's scary is we've also started to be sold all of these consumer products and experiences that are the underlying like 
intention is to harvest as much data as possible, yeah. but like we've been tricked into not seeing that part. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you somewhat yeah. related to this. Am I crazy when I um, yell at my friend because she is going to sign up for Google Fi? No, you're not crazy I'm not at crazy. all. Like, no. That, that, that seems like a really bad idea. I don't know what this yeah. is either. Oh, it's 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 Google's uh, cell service and internet service. Oh, yeah. So, do you think we can um, get off of technology completely before it ruins uh, the what's left of the world? Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting because in the past year, I've been trying to do that in as many ways as I could. I was just telling uh, Tess before this that I, as a person that loves consuming pop culture and all kinds of media, in the past year, I've, like tried to opt out of as much streaming as possible, as much social media, just as an exercise to do it. And it, I think one of the things that was so terrifying to me was I was like, what will I do mm-hmm. with all of my time in the silence? How will I listen to music? <laughs> and the other day I was like, I was listening to an analog radio set pumping through analog speakers. And my roommate was like, where is the sound coming from? And I was like, an FM frequency. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of nice. It was, like, nice to, you know, have someone else, like, curate an experience and hear the news. So I, I think, like, part of it is just, like, also taking a step and being like, well, do we need all of these things at the rates that they're coming at us? And I think one thing that, like, if it if something feels like it's really cheap or free for the service that's providing you, yeah. likely what's happening is that it's, they're not making money off of what you're paying them. They're making money off of your data yeah. and who you are. You're the product. Yeah. yeah. I have an inverse question for you, Emma, as somebody who do- knows a lot more about this stuff than we do, I think. <laughs> I assume. Uh, I think it's like very, uh, like, I think the instinct a lot is just to be like, cut out all the tech, mm-hmm. rip it out of your body, like, put on your Faraday hat. And completely opt out of all things. But, like, for you, and and I know it's, like, different for everybody, so I wouldn't ask you to say something prescriptive for anybody else. But for you, like, what do you think is, like, good positive things that you have about, like, that we are able to take advantage of with technology in, like, the year 2020? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that's hard about opting out also, right? Because Mm -hmm. technology has enabled a lot of stuff that has been great. And, you know, I I didn't opt out of everything. I'm still on Twitter, and I wrote... Sometimes I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be. But then sometimes I'm like, oh, I learned a thing from a person like halfway across the world that mm-hmm. I don't know how I would have come across. Also, on my you're own. where I find out all this news about the advances <laughs> yeah. in surveillance tech <laughs> and the people fighting back against it. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, the thing that I've sort of come back to is that sort of a lot of these technologies. I see why we gave up all our data, because we were like, oh, the promise of connection, the promise of communication, the promise of sharing art and ideas was like so alluring that we just were like, whatever it takes, we'll, mm-hmm. we, we want to get in. And I think, I, to your point, Emily, I do think it's like, yeah, I don't think we should be like, those goals were bad. Those goals were good, and yeah. we can still strive towards them. It's just there's a way to do it without giving all our data to like the YouTube people or whatever, right? And yeah. I am increasingly interested in sort of uh, this idea of like platform cooperativism where um, the idea is that rather than having, you know, a platform, a social or software platform be engineered by a bunch of people who understand tech, but making decisions for people who don't, that there's more cooperation between the users, the people who are performing the core labor that is generating value for the platform. Um, 
and that it's like less about extracting value and more about building something that's mm-hmm. sustainable and that actually like serves the goals yeah. that it states it's yeah, trying like to. Like a co-op internet. Yeah, which exactly. is I think like how it felt when, you know, at least for people of our generation when we started using the yeah. internet was right. that it was like kind of all message ticky-tacky boards. message exactly. boards. Like, like a-directional. Like everybody was just, instead of like having one tube that right. everybody gets everything Isn't that from. kind of what the Wikipedia social network is attempting? Yeah, it feels yeah. it feels like that. Yeah, it always feels like such a ghost town, though, when it is beginning because you already have these huge established yeah. networks, and then you want to leave, but then you're all by yourself. <laughs> we should all leave, though. I do. I know. I would also like there to be new social media platforms made by like people that aren't bad. You know. Yeah. Like. I would like to post photos in a place where it doesn't like remind me that it's owned by Facebook every time I open it now. That's going to make it a lot easier to quit Instagram. I think that they added Instagram by Facebook. Oh, now, they did? When you open it. Yeah. Oh, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> updated. Um, speaking of Instagram, do you yeah. think those Instagram filters where it puts a thing above your head and tells you which one you are are a PSYOP? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Those are just to map your face in like a reaction yeah. face, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's is like, that really what they're doing? I mean, so I think with a lot of this stuff, it's like whether or not they intend to do it today, like it actually maybe doesn't matter because if they're not trying to do it now, they still have the data so that they could use it for those reasons. Right. right. Um, and in some cases, they're it's not intentional, and in other cases, it's Cambridge Analytica. Mm-hmm. So it, and. I don't know. It's like one of those places where I'm like, I don't know how much intent matters. I think right. there's, I do think there, there, I mean, there's a lot of tech that like, it's just made by people who aren't thinking about it that, I mean, because working yeah. is hard in general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like when you're doing a thing and you can't, and like you're, no one is telling you, oh, think about the implications and like how this might harm people, but rather like break stuff fast and yeah. make all the money, then you're just not thinking about these things. And then you end up in situations where like, I, the there's a story recently about how Amazon Ring like surveillance cameras like previously allowed um, employees to be able to like scan through that footage, right? And I think it was probably not intended to do that, mm-hmm. but... Um, someone wasn't thinking about privacy as like a you know a huge important thing when they were developing it, and so then it just created this mechanism that other people could exploit or manipulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Emma. Yeah, uh, yeah please come always, back. Yeah, I, yeah, it's good to have a, a professional expert voice <laughs> about these I'm just, things. I'm not enough. I'm a professional expert voice. Well, I'm just you're a professional paranoid voice. <laughs> no, we need that. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks so much. Where can people find you uh, on Twitter for as long as you decide to stay on Twitter? I'm on the internet on Twitter sometimes, uh, and my handle is Emma Chu, but it's TCU instead of CHU, so E-M-M-A-T-C-U. And I oh. mostly tweet about scary surveillance shit, <laughs> yeah. which is right up our alley. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, y'all. If you've got some thoughts about the lawnmower man, weird CGI that gave you nightmares, or anything else, give us a call, a night call, at 240-46-NIGHT. You can also email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on social media. We are nightcallpod on Twitter, nightcallpodcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to support us on Patreon, we are on patreon.com slash nightcall. And you can chip in for multiple different levels per month to get all sorts of fun bonus stuff. Multi-pass. Multi-pass. We, we, there's a silver pass. There's a nightcall silver pass. Um... 
All right, we'll see everybody next week. Night Call is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.